0: Welcome to the Aliyah, everybody. Good morning. I'm glad you're with me this morning. I am glad to be with you as we are about to share the fifth Aliyah of our Torah reading this morning. We are discovering Yeshua in the Torah this week as, I mean, we do every week, right? We we uh, find Messiah Yeshua. We don't find him. He is the Torah. I mean, what am I saying? But anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. But this week has been especially encouraging because as I started out this week saying that the study of Yosef is um, so, so very important It's so uh, meaningful and it teaches us so much about what Yeshua has done. So anyway, welcome. I am Rabbi Mordecai Griffin. I am the founder of Lapid Judaism, which is a sect of Judaism, a sect of authentic Orthodox Judaism that absolutely believes proudly, boldly, passionately that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel, 100%. Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And so we are glad you are here. And if you are new to us, please subscribe. Please like this video. Share it with all of your friends. Thank you so much for being with me. It is exciting and encouraging. To have 30 plus people uh, waiting for the Aliyah to start, that is just um, amazing, so wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Um, I wanted to say, I don't know what happened yesterday, I we were doing some stuff and it is entirely possible that we inadvertently uh, deleted yesterday's Aliyah video. I, I, I'm not even really sure what happened, but it's not there. So we're trying to recover it. Um, Bezrat Hashem will, will be able to do that. Um, but I I want to apologize. I have no idea what happened. But I do want to say that we have, thank God, the podcast from yesterday. So if you missed the fourth reading, which was which was really good, and I, it really just pains me that we don't have that one um, available right now. May God restore it. <clears throat> but um, it's a really good series. So that one is on podcast. You can listen to the audio you don't know how to get to the podcast i did post it in the community comments here on the, the channel but um all you have to do is go to google and google rabbi mordecai griffin anchor as in a ship's anchor and the podcast will pull, pull up it's on anchor podcast it's also i think it's on every podcast known to man um but anyway it's out there so very sorry for that also i uh, saw somebody ask about the hanukkah teaching last night which was very good, and I was pleasantly surprised because we had at least twice as many, maybe more, of people that I I, I expected. I I was expecting a uh, not to have that many people. So we ended up having the class in one of our professional, newly newly renovated uh, classrooms here at our our complex, our campus, and probably should have had it in a bigger classroom <laughs> because. Uh, um, we brought him to bring in a lot of chairs, and it was packed out. So, uh, wow, it was great. And I was uh, just really, really joyous. So many new people were there. And then we had uh, 40 or 50 people watching online, something like that. So the question was, was it recorded? Yes, it was. Uh, but Shlomo is not feeling well today. We had a lot of people out with little uh, illnesses. Um, maybe, maybe we have Refuge Shlomo all the way around, but is not here today. So it was going to be uploaded to our channels, um, but that's going to be delayed. So... Right now, it's on the live stream page. So, if you go to the Sarshalom Synagogue website, mysarshalom.com, you can just go to the media link and click on live stream, and you can see it there. Um, also, if you are brand new to us, you should know that every single Shabbat, every single Shabbos, I want to make sure I say things properly for the uh, pronunciation police out there, every single Shabbos, you, you can... Uh, you can um... you can live stream with us, I and mean, we want you to do that. Uh, Baruch Hashem. All right, so I am from Texas, and English is my first language. Um, we are on page two thirteen of the Art Scroll Chumash, Chumash, depending on uh, what sect of Judaism you're from. Um... We are going to be reading in page 39, in chapter 1, capítulo 39, verso 1, la palabra de Dios dice, y Joseph, and Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, Potiphar, a cultier of Pharaoh, the chamberlain of butchers, a prominent Egyptian, purchased him from the Ishmaelites. Who had brought him down there. Now, remember the insight I gave toward the end of the broadcast about we have Yosef um, uh, who was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And we have Yeshua who is 100% Mashiach ben Yosef. 100% Mashiach ben Yosef. By the way, I just want to say something here. If you um, If you do not yet own Gracias. Jim. <laughs> my complimenting my Spanish. Toda. Um if you do not have the uh, Encyclopedia Judaica then uh that is if you if you happen across it if you're in some half price bookstore somewhere or you find it online it's really really great. It's the uh it's the old, back in the olden days when we used to have an encyclopedia in the house. Remember those days? Some of you uh my age or maybe a little bit older Remember the olden days where if you wanted to look something up, there was no such thing as Google. You had to go to the uh, bookshelf and pull an encyclopedia book off the page, off the bookshelf, rather. So anyway, the encyclopedia Judaica is really, really great. And uh, you could get lost in there for hours reading stuff. It's fascinating. But I want to point your attention to the story of Shabbatai Zvi. Shabbatai, like, like you're going to spell Shabbat, but T-A-I, Shabbatai Zvi, T Z. V-I, it's V, right? That's how, that's how you spell it. Hope I said that right. Um, it's a great and interesting story because it is a story of a false Mashiach. And the entire Jewish world went after him. Everybody believed, like the entire world believed. Just read the history. Don't, don't take my word for it. This was in the uh, early 1700s. Well, he, was, uh, he eventually uh, converted to Islam. But when you read about Shabbat Zevi and what he said about himself and the types of things he said, when you're reading it, you're like, oh my gosh. It sounds like you're reading like uh, letters from the New Testament. And so my point is, is that when you read about Shabbat Zevi and you're like, oh my gosh, look, this person sounds like a New Testament kind of figure, if you will, if I, if I could use that, that analogy. And how is it that the whole Jewish world went after him? But they reject uh, Yeshua. They believe the same things about Shabbatai HaZavi that that Yeshua said. Just read it. Read about it. Read the history. It's fascinating. I'm just pointing that out. So, anyway, Mashiach ben Yosef is the type of, uh, or I should say, Yosef is the type of Messiah ben Yosef, the the Messiah who comes and suffers for our sins. And he was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Yeshua comes along. He's sold for... uh, uh, 30 pieces of silver. Somebody asked a valid question. Why wasn't he sold for 20 pieces of silver or vice versa? And the answer is that we learn, as I read yesterday from Ma'am Loez, that Yosef was sold five more times or five, a total of five times, I should say. And then at, at one point, he was sold by the Ishmaelites who just want to get rid of him because they realize this guy's actually not just some slave, but th- th- he's, he's, this is some divine, if you will, divinely protected figure. Remember, we talked about that yesterday and how the Ishmaelites were beating him and slapping him and saying, prophesy to us. They didn't really say that, but it was, there was the same type of thing. They sold him for five shekels. So if you do the math, it's 20 plus five cells plus five shekels, that's 30. So Yeshua was sold for 30 shekels of silver in order to make Juva for all of that. And... We must note that the nations had a ten shekel, if you will, buy-in to the Mashiach. Why? Because they had to be in on the redemption, even though they didn't realize it. Verse 2. Adonai was with Yosef, and he became a successful man. And he remained in the house of his Egyptian master. His master perceived that Adonai was with him, and whatever he did... Adonai made succeed in his hand. Yosef found favor in his eyes, and he attended him. He appointed him over his household, and whatever he had, he placed in his custody. And it happened that from the time he appointed him in the house and over whatever he had, Adonai blessed the Egyptian house on Yosef's account, so that Adonai was with him, Adonai's blessing was in whatever he owned, in the house and in the field. He left all that he had in Yosef's custody, and with him present, he concerned himself with nothing except for the bread that he would eat. Now Yosef was handsome of form and handsome of appearance. That's the end of the fifth reading. I want to... uh, I want to... uh, move over here and read something here from the uh, Insights. That's right, Len Shabbatai Zvi is a huge wound in history <clears throat> of Judaism. It's why it's one of the reasons why they initially rejected, for 100 years, uh, Hasidism. Now, I want to read this to you. Where, what i am doing here? Oh, I've got the wrong source. Let me put that down. Put this over here. This is such a great insight. Um, let me turn here and find I've got so many tabs. I'll make sure I'm reading the right. The right one here from our fifth Aliyah. So it says, uh, here we go. All right. So the glory of the baal So it says, talking of this, this is an insight from the end of yesterday's chapter about the story of Judah and Tamar and their sons, Zerah and Peretz. So it says, um, specifically, zarah's great-grandson, Achan, stole some of the spoils of, bat- of battle after the conquest of Jericho. This sin angered God, endangered his, the success of the Jewish people's entry into the land of, of the Promised Land. So this is what it's saying here. In the Kabbalistic work, Sefer HaBahir, Zarak, which means shining, is associated with the sun, which shines constantly. And Peretz, breaking through, is associated with the moon, which which shines brokenly, cycling through periods of diminished rebirth. Now, we know the Mashiach, or Mashiach, make sure I say that right for the police, that um, the Mashiach comes from Peretz does not come from Zerach. So this is interesting. Zarach, according to Kabbalistic thought, represents the sun, which we says here, metaphorically, the sun represents the completely righteous, those who light shine consistently without interruption or fluctuation. So interestingly, the Messiah does not come from the completely righteous. He does not come from those who are perfect. He does not come from those who have all the bells and whistles and all the accolades and, and all the right stuff. It says the moon represents the penitent. Those who are not perfect, those who are broken, those who come from broken roads, who have done wrong, it says, but have changed their ways and returned to God. These are the Baal This is the the, the Baleshuvot. These are the ones who returned to God, who who did not grow up Jewish maybe, or or who grew up in a secular home, who didn't know what they didn't know, but they found their way back to Hashem through his mercy and his grace. It's from that side that the Mashiach comes. Interestingly, the Mashiach one day is going to come from where is he going to come? If you think about it, like I said to you, from where is Mashiach going to come when he is finally revealed, maybe soon our time, where is he going to come? Some of you say, well, he's going to come from Shemayim. He's going to be on the clouds of heaven. Well, that's true. But from the Jewish point of view, I want you to think about something. Where is Mashiach now? And the answer is the Mashiach is now at the gates of Rome. He is at the The gates, if you will, of impurity. The gates of false religion. The gates of what everything among the righteous Jews reject. Rome is the antithesis to Torah. Rome is the antithesis to godliness. But interestingly, when Mashiach comes and reveals himself to his people, maybe sooner in our time, he is going to come from where? Not from the sun, but from the moon. He's going to come not from the righteous and the perfect and those who have all the bells and whistles and everybody says, oh, look at you, you're so great. Oh, your great, 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 grandfather was with Moses and now you, you're shining like the sun. That's not where he's going to come from. He's going to come from where? Rome. He's going to come from Rome. And who's he going to have with him? A bunch of people who were formerly with the goyim but who have made teshuva and become part of the flock the mixed multitude if you will so it says yet because of their challenges talking about those who are but let you vote because of their challenges the penitents reach a higher I want you to pay close attention to this. Yet, because of their challenges, because of the fact that they weren't perfect, because of the fact they didn't grow up in Jewish homes, because of the fact that they're just now working their way through the Hebrew text and and fighting through it because they don't have anybody properly teaching them. You know what I'm saying? People out there like like, uh, uh, those, those many of you who are doing this, right? Because of their challenges, the penitent reach a higher, say higher, higher spiritual level and achieve what the consistently righteous cannot. Let's read that again, shall we? Because this is speaking, I'm I'm talking to you this morning. Because of their challenges, because they did they weren't perfect, the penitents reach a higher spiritual level and achieve what the totally righteous can not achieve. Thus, Peretz, who is associated with the moon and is therefore the archetype of repentance. Did you get that? Did you just hear that the Messiah is going to come from Peretz, who is the archetype of Teshuvah? So Yeshua, see, everybody's looking for a Messiah who's going to come from a perfect line. From a perfect, we oh, Mashiach could never come from Rome. Are you kidding me? Mashiach's got to come from the holiest, most righteous line. Everything has to be perfect. Turns out, not so much. Turns out the Mashiach is going to come from the place of Teshuva. And, and see, we're so foolish that we can't see this because where would Mashiach come from? It says that God sent the angels to Sodom in order to find the, the diamond in Sodom. What diamond were they talking about? we are talking about Ruth who comes from Moab, this tribe of incest. For what purpose? To bring about the Mashiach. The Mashiach came from that. So it says that, Z- that he's the archetype of re- repentance precedes Zarach, and is the firstborn since the accomplishment of the penitent surpasses. The accomplishment of the penitent surpasses those of the consistently righteous. Excuse me, guys. I'm just going to... We have people that just want to say things that have make no sense whatsoever, so we're just going to take... Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. So anyway, um, it's a very important point. Now, it says here in the first chapter of the fifth reading, Jacob, excuse me, Yosef had been taken down to Egypt, all right? So it says Egypt was a place where godliness was drastically concealed. It was therefore unlikely, it says here, that the Jewish people could survive the Egyptian exile spiritually intact, okay? Okay? And so, the idea is that if the Jewish people are going to go into exile, they're not going to be able to uh, remain spiritually intact. So God has to arrange that Yosef is going to be betrayed, for what purpose? In order to save Israel. That's the picture. I want you to see the picture here. Remember what I've said early in the week. We have to follow the pattern. We have to follow the pattern. We have to follow the pattern. Okay? All we need to do is look at the Torah and look at Jewish literature in order to discover where the pattern is and what the pattern is. So let's let's, let's uh, read this carefully and see if we can find it, okay? It says, they would find it nearly impossible to fulfill the purpose of their exile. Now now we're going to learn, what's the purpose of exile? What is the purpose of the exile right now? And it says here, which was to elevate the sparks of holiness that were embedded within Egypt. Were there any Jews in Egypt? No, I'm asking. When Yosef went down to Egypt, were there any Jews in Egypt? No. So when it talks about elevating sparks of holiness, it's not talking about going out and finding Jewish people who aren't religious, unaffiliated Jewish people, because that's what Judaism has has fallen into in these last uh, few decades. We're no longer concerned about finding sparks of holiness What we're really wanting is just to find Jews who aren't affiliated and see if they want to join our synagogue. But were there any Jews in Egypt? No. So the mission of Israel was to go into Egypt, which is back then was basically the world. That's like saying going to all the nations, going to the world. And find sparks of holiness and elevate them to godliness. In other words, make converts. That's exactly what Lapid Judaism is about. We believe in Yeshua the, 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 uh, as the Messiah of Israel. We are authentically Jewish. We believe it passionately and proudly and boldly. And our goal primarily is to find those sparks of holiness in Egypt or Babylon or Rome or whatever you want to call it, Los Estados Unidos or Honduras or El Salvador or France. And bring them to a level of holiness, to Hashem. So it says, it says here, they would not be able to fulfill their mission. And in fact, they were nearly at the point of no return when God saved them from Egypt. Because many people don't realize this, but everybody who came out of, e- out of Egypt during the Exodus, every single body was an idolater according to Judaism. When we, when we went to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah, okay, both the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude, and the Hebrews, everybody, or as we say here colloquially, everybody, had to convert. Which is precisely why Yeshua, when he was here, said, repent and be mikfed, And he was talking to Jewish people. Why? Because it had to do with taking us back to Mount Sinai. We'll get to that later when we get to that story. I'm going to explain that with God's help in more detail. Is this good? Are y'all enjoying this? I I'm this whole. We could do this for two weeks. This is just amazing. So anyway, it says God therefore arranged. Now listen to this. God therefore arranged. For Joseph to descend to Egypt first and weaken the evil of Egypt through his rise to greatness there. So God wanted the suffering Messiah to go into exile ahead of everybody else in order to weaken Egypt and begin to bring it to a level of wholeness. Because of Joseph's accomplishments, even later generations, listen to this, because of what the suffering Joseph did, because of him suffering at the hands of his brothers, because of this, even later generations who lived after his time did not have the strength to overpower and contaminate the Jewish people. On the contrary, the Jewish people flourished there and remained separate from the Egyptian culture. In other words, the reason, listen to this, the reason that the Jewish people are able to maintain themselves in exile is because the suffering Messiah went ahead of them and made that possible. Not only would they maintain themselves, but there would be others who would be brought into the light along with them. It's very powerful. I was listening to a an, another rabbi who, who uh, was lecturing on this topic. And as he was getting to the point where he was talking about the brothers betraying Yosef, uh, he went to great lengths to explain to his audience not to be perplexed, but all of this was going to work out for the good. Because he knew that the brothers betraying a, a, a fellow brother Was horrible but he also was trying to explain to them that it was necessary for that to happen in order to bring about their redemption that's exactly what happened with Yeshua Yeshua was rejected by his brothers but it was necessary in order to affect our salvation his present rejection is necessary Now it says here, through his holy work, Yosef elevated many of the holy sparks embedded in Egypt. He thereby enabled the Jewish people to complete their task relatively quickly. They remained in Egypt for only 210 years, 190 years less than the 400 years stipulated in God's covenant with Abraham. Furthermore, through his holy work, Yosef was able to limit the bitterness of enslavement for only 86 years. So, there's another insight here I want to share. So, it talks about, um, in Rabbi Monk's commentary, that when Yosef went down to Potiphar's house, um, no, the, I'm sorry, the God of, uh, Islam is not the God of Israel. I'm sorry. And, um, that's not true. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to delete this, guys. Sorry, guys. Um, pardon me one second. I'm, I, I guess the enemy has just stirred up today. He doesn't like us talking about this stuff. So I'm going to hide these people. So, yeah, the God of Islam is not the God of Israel, which is why um, Hamas said that talking about Israel, it says their God changes the direction of our rockets. So anyway, it says as for Joseph, he was urged to answer the question about his origins, but to keep silent. Okay. But he kept silent rather. So for Yosef, when he got to Egypt, they kept saying, Who are you? Who are you? Who are, where are you from? What's your family? And Yosef did not respond. Like a lamb brought to the slaughter, he did not say anything. Right? He was silent before his, his people. He didn't answer. He kept it a secret. Why? Well, it says here in the comments that he wanted to, uh, he didn't want to humiliate his brothers. But I found this intriguing because if again, following a pattern, we have Yosef, who, when he got to Egypt, you know, he was very upset. He could have said, Listen, listen, I was sold into slavery. Uh I was betrayed by my brothers. Um, this isn't right, I shouldn't be here. Uh would you please send a letter to my father? Besides, he's very wealthy, he'll he'll gladly pay you whatever you want in order to release me. Okay? Why didn't he do that? Think about that. Yosef was in Egypt for all that time, and then when he became viceroy, he still did not send a FedEx letter to his father to say, hey, by the way, I'm alive. Why? Why? Well, by the time Yosef got to Egypt, he had figured something out, apparently. He had figured out that his descent had a divine purpose, that he was betrayed and sold into slavery for a divine reason. So as a result, he kept silent. And he did not even begin to try to reveal himself to his brothers until many, many, many years later. And it was all calculated and purposeful. So up until now, nobody in Israel nor anyone in Egypt had any idea who this suffering Messiah, I mean, excuse me, Yosef, who he really was. And then it started to become revealed, and people started to get a clue. Now, if we take this back into our time, up until now, who the Messiah is and what his religion is has been concealed. So what does it mean that now it's being revealed through Lapid Judaism? What does, that, what does that mean about where we are on God's timeline? It's very exciting. And those who are religious in their false hopes on both sides of the fence really, really hate this. Why? Because on both sides of the fence, when, you, when we begin to reveal who the Messiah actually is and what his religion actually is, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a threat to their narrative. God is revealing the Messiah ben Yosef in Egypt right now. And we are soon coming to the day when we will see every knee bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord of all. Maybe sooner in our time. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for being with me. I am glad to be with you. Please be sure and subscribe to our channel here. Be sure and like it and uh, like the video that is and share it with all of your friends and um, pray that we can get that fourth video back. We're going to work on that um, here as soon as I sign off. So blessings, shalom. Look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow for our conclusion of uh, the week's power shop.